Hey, everybody, welcome to Inside Situation, a bi weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having in the agency. I'm Peter Ejisic, head of technology at Situation, and I have a full house in the studio today. Three amazing folks joining me uh, Jordan Person, our head of new business. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Peter. Kevin McCauley uh, from our creative team. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Peter. And Situation Interactive's founder and owner, Damian Bazadana. Hello, Damian. Hey, Peter. Welcome. Welcome to all of you. And this is this is a milestone episode of the podcast. This is episode number 26 of Inside Situation, which means, if you do the math, we release every other week. This is our one-year anniversary of the podcast. Wow. Oh, my God. I guess if you, you go imagine? by the standard calendar that everyone uses and you think there's 52 weeks in the year, then sure, it's <laughs> our one-year anniversary. you'll grant us our anniversary. Yeah, yeah uh, I can't believe it. I, it feels shorter and longer both at the same time, if that's possible. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, 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 I think so too. And, and you know, I think we, you know, our, our topic of conversation for today, which I think more like, more than most episodes, this really is going to be, uh, uh, you know, a conversation that we are continually having about the medium of podcasting, about why we're doing this, what we're hoping to get from it, what we've learned in the last year, and where we wanted to grow in the next year, what, how we're evolving. We've certainly evolved, evolved the format. Uh, I think every, all of you guys have been such key components to the DNA of the thing from the beginning, which, and, and uh, I will also say fan favorites. Um, <laughs> you all are. No, seriously. We, we've, the feedback that we get from the people, our listeners who we love, uh, you, you constantly, it's always been, uh, you guys are the most interesting, which is why you're here today and not anybody else. Shout uh, out to all the Kev heads out there. <laughs> all the Kev heads. Thanks for your tweets. <laughs> Tweet. We are blowing up with information about Kevin. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I just want to open it up to you guys. What did you imagine the first time that you were on the podcast uh, that that we'd be still doing this a year later? I did. Excellent. But I wasn't on the first one. That's uh, true. <laughs> I would say that, that what's amazing, uh, I think it's like a lot of things in the agency, is once you do things enough times with enough consistency, it just kind of becomes part of the fabric of the agency. So the fact that you did, like, I think two, once you pass two, three, four months on doing something in this company, it just continues to sort of happen, which mm-hmm. is good. So I feel like you, you've done an incredible job leading this uh, venture. And the fact that it's still going one year in is sort of, un, it is sort of unbelievable, but very believable in that a lot of things in this agency have happened that way, inclusive of our agency events. We did a couple when we first started. We used to do those agency events once a month. And now we do them with now how many years doing it, like lots of years doing it. Um, so I think momentum builds momentum. So it doesn't really surprise me once you've made it to the first couple of months that I know this would be continuing to run. So well done. Well, I, uh, thank you. I, I think the the inspiration for why uh, I wanted to really commit to doing this on a schedule was the agency event series, which – you know, we don't do them once a month anymore, but because the production value was up, but we've certainly, there couldn't be a stronger commitment to doing them and doing them really well. And they have grown. And, you know, I think the, the content of them is, you know, is inspiring. And I think that's the thing, whenever we talk about podcasting and why podcasts and what is this format good for, one of the things that I learned early on and that I'm, I've been really glad that we've stuck to is that it has to be on a schedule. Every podcast that I, is one of my favorites I know the day that it comes out and I anticipate it, whether it's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me or My Brother, My Brother and Me. I know the day that those are released and the best podcasts 
hold really fast to that, even at the expense sometimes of content. They're like, oh, you know, we could have taken another day on this one, guys, but we know it's important to you that we have some sort of appointment listing. And I think that's a real key to this medium, unlike maybe some others, like a webinar or an event series that might move, you know, as as needed. But I think that's a really important thing about podcasts. Jordan, Kevin, you guys are listeners to podcasts as well. What what is, what are some of the things that you uh, have noticed just uh, it, with the medium as a whole? I feel like they've exploded in popularity in the last year since we've been doing this. That's true. Uh, <laughs> um, I think there's definitely been a lot of them out there. And I think what we're seeing now is not only uh, the content and the uh, – the, the valuable content out there, seeing more of it, but also like a lot of talent, a lot of big names coming to podcasting yeah. as well. You know, uh, Lena Dunham, uh, comedians, all kinds of uh, personalities and other mediums like, oh, let me try out this podcasting thing because it is an interesting way to reach people uh, where you can do innovative storytelling in a different way that people can engage with in a different way. You know, there's so much, especially living in a city like New York or anywhere where, you know, major transit city, you know, I can't read a book or watch a video on YouTube while I'm walking down the street. I mean, I can, mm. but probably get punched in the face, <laughs> deservedly so. But I can listen to my podcast for my entire commute right. to work and back. And also while it's some people while you're doing other things as well. So it's just um, – it's kind of an, that age-old uh, medium of oral storytelling and how it kind of, you know, has lasted through the years. And now it's found a new form in podcasting, a la carte, a la carte service of radio kind of thing. Yeah. But, it's great. Yeah, I think you've hit on something, Kevin. As our music, you know, everybody who's had worn headphones, whether it's a tape deck or a Walkman, I had a Walkman. Uh, uh, ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that. Uh, any, you know, anyone who was used to listening to music, whether you owned it, uh, now that so much music is streaming via Spotify and other services, and the actual idea of like having the file of the music on the device is less yet still podcasts operate that way. So I, you know, especially my point is in a place like New York where we're underground a lot of time, I don't always have internet. So my music, I can't listen to music in the same way that I used to, but I know that I have that podcast because I download it. So I wonder if that's part of the the thing is they, 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 they are very commute friendly. Uh, even, even when you're in a, in a train tunnel, like we are here a lot of times in New York. Um, I wonder if that has part of their popularity. Uh, Jordan, you, you, we were talking before we started recording about some of your favorite podcasts. What what appeals to you about the topics of conversation? What what makes a good podcast for you as a listener? That's a good question, Peter. You're good at this. Uh, I think. Here, it's been here. <laughs> um, I I like podcasts that either kind of have interesting personalities on them. You know, someone interviewing. I like the Recode Decode podcasts. Uh, the the team there, they kind of interview people across the digital space, and they always have conversations that are really focused on digital. So just from a prof professional perspective, that always appeals to me because I feel like they're uh, kind of asking some of the same questions that we're talking about here. And it's mm. nice to get, you know, a different point of view on that. Uh, another podcast I really like, I love the New York Times book review podcast. And that is actually another great example when you look at you know, obviously we've all been listening to podcasts for a while, but I can see even just adjustments, optimizations that they make over the past year, you know, changing segments, things right. like that. But I think another one of the reasons that podcasts are um, seem so at least I, I, here's one reason why podcasts could be uh, kind of growing in popularity is, I mean, they're free. 
I'm a big library person. I love going to the library. And it's also, it's really fun to go to the library and you check out all these books and you feel like it's free. You know, there's something about it that's like, oh, this is free. This is crazy. It's so great. And there's something about podcasts that's the same way when you find a resource that is really valuable. The idea that it's free, it always just blows my mind. So to me, I think that's what will be interesting to see looking forward is does that continue? Are there going to be paywalls that are going to be put up? Like how are people going to continue to, because obviously some people are making money right now on podcasts, but I would say the vast majority are not. So how, and, and obviously for the growth to continue as it is, that's going to have to change some of that. That's going to shake out somehow. So to me, that's what I'm interested in, in, as we look ahead, is like, how is that going to change from just a revenue perspective? Yeah, I remember when when you and Kevin and I, a while back, were talking about kind of the monetization of podcasts. We, we commented on the advertising model and how interesting it is that uh, advertising in podcasts is kind of like a throwback to like early episodes of I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. Like in the middle of the show, the stars come to you and say, hey, friend, try this new product. And and it's like a, a testimonial on behalf of the people that we trust and see every week. And that's, um, that's, to me, that's the prevalent model of podcast revenue, it seems like, is that advertise that direct appeal where the people that are talking in your ear take a moment in the middle of the podcast to, to do an ad. And I think we, that there's a lot of that. We don't we don't have ads yet. We've considered it for the the podcast. But Damien, uh, it's great that podcasts are free, right? But this costs you money. You've made an investment to to let us sit down every other week and put this together and put it out there. Does that scare you? This costs money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is where the podcast I, ends. I, 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 I think I know. This is the last episode. We're renting this, right? Um, no, I think it's uh, – no, I'm a huge belie- – I guess I, I don't know where the media landscape is going. I don't think anyone truly knows. What's most fascinating to me is I think so – at least from a very personal level, my usage of tech and just content consumption is so based on like – it's so based on like connectivity. So like I have horrible, like, and I'm always, I feel like I'm not at my desk a lot. So I'm always kind of moving. And so you think about it. And when I'm moving, I'm in places where reception is dreadful. So I live out in New Jersey and the New Jersey transit line is horrible. Yeah, trains. So the way I buy, I literally buy music. So I go on iTunes, I buy music and I store it locally. I used to have subscription services to Apple Music, but I have so many connectivity problems. It impacts everything I do. So like I don't even connect to the I don't even connect to the server here half the time. You'll notice in the office I go send me a PDF because I'm usually on a meeting at a place at a different location that I'm either not here. Like I don't trust the cloud as a resource or as a reliable resource to pull access to files quickly. I hate it. it just doesn't operate. It just doesn't work in my lifestyle, which is ridiculous when you really think about it because that's where everything's going. But I'm in and so you're many on a digital agency. Yeah, and I'm in so many dead zones, right? Now if I'm right. now if I'm traveling, if I'm driving somewhere, if I could take a long road trip, I'll use Spotify. There's so many other things that I use in my universe. So I use all of it, but it totally in my day to day when I leave my house, I listen to podcasts on the podcast seem to me like I can load them faster. They're just way right. easier on lighter load to sort of pull to my phone. So, but I find it. I, I, so, to me, I look at that and I go, "It's less even about the quality of the platform and more of how my consumer, be, my behavior, and the connectivity around me is impacted." So, as an immediate landscape, I understand. Like in some respects, podcasts are, uh, I would argue, sort of archaic in nature compared to all the different possibilities that exist. Right. Uh, at the but on the flip side, it's great for storytelling. Um, and we had talked about the idea of whether or not you know. Sometimes I feel like. 
maybe we should make these podcasts like live, put a little energy to them. And so then other podcasts are like a Facebook live, do something else. Right. Um, but well, there's one, one, uh, there, there are some podcasts that I really like that do, they, they record every week at the exact same time and they, they do go out live initially and they kind of have a chat room listening along live. So yeah. there can be some sort of interactivity. Uh, and, but they still go out as podcasts. Like I never listen to them live, but there's that, there is an extra level of, back and forth and intrigue and kind of immediate like radio caller. And there's a forgiving nature to when you go live, there's a forgiving nature of the audience to kind of going, I understand I'm going to get a certain quality, but that's kind of the interesting part about it. It's all happening live. When you go to the editing room, you know, you cut, there's a different level of expectation to that, right? right. This, thing, this will be recorded, shot, edited, and we're going to put out the best of the best, right. which is hard, right? Because to create great content, as I'm sure you know, as you're the one editing, is <laughs> tricky, so I don't know. I feel like as, as you know, in terms of running the agency, like if you think of the pressures that we have right now, everyone's talking Facebook Live, right? There's a ton of energy around it. Facebook mm -hmm. Live, Facebook Live. I'm not a believer in the idea of live social content as a frequency play because creating live anything is hard. Most right. content sucks. Right. Then try and do it live, great, in a world in which everything else we do is on demand. It, it defies so many other trend lines that consumers have said this is what they want. And that's what you see brands really struggling with. Let's create really great Facebook Live content. Sports, art. There's certain industries that can do it really well. Well, it was announced today, you know, the Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal reported, which this isn't too much of a surprise, that Facebook's paid over $50 million to brands and yeah. uh, uh, celebrities to do Facebook Live. Yeah. So is, what, yeah. what would be your response then to Facebook then in the sense – because that, that investment and you know statements with that investment have said that that's where they think Facebook is going. So do you disagree? I do in the sense of – well, let me put it this way. You're not – technology could do whatever it's going to do but to tell remarkable stories. Right? I guess you have two trend lines. First off, great storytelling through live is an entirely different skill set than the editing room. It's entirely – and we all know because we do this. Right. So creating great live is an effort of logistics. There's so many other elements around it that are so critical. And then the other just primary headwind is think about anything that you watch in your life. What do you watch live? Right? So if you think about the amount of content that has to be created, that, that's created, Facebook makes its money on connectivity and our volume of it. What things will you watch live today? Very few things, right? You're going to do them on demand. You're going to go, I'm going to watch this at this time or this moment. I'm going to binge watch this. Every other trend line is on demand. So I get the idea. Well, live content, no, live is the most premium sought after high, you know, high CPM type content that everyone wants to sell. That's what advertisers want to sell. Like publishers want to sell that. So I understand why Facebook is diving into that space. But just as someone who creates, I mean, we work with the world's best content providers and people and they struggle like it takes them like years to create a show or musical or write mm -hmm. something. And all of a sudden you're going to have brands who are shitty at what they do to begin with to then sit there and go, now we're going to create something live for you. Right. It, it, so I, I obviously Facebook – I'm not saying that Facebook obviously knows what it's doing. So I'm not going to say Facebook is wrong in the sense of whatever they're planning. But my instinct tells me in every part of the bones of my body to go, am I really going to get – am I going to be able to create – Live content, which people are going to sit down and watch at that moment in time, engage with at that moment in time, with any level of uh, like frequency and that level, that is hard. I, I think there's room for both in the marketplace. I, I think they can coexist. I think what people are doing with Facebook Live and Periscope, I think it is interesting. But I and and when we started this podcast, the very first you know zero episode was a webinar. We said, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to get people around some microphones and have a conversation? And we, we did a webinar about ticketing with some of our, our client partners. 
Uh, and what we learned from it, number one, was it still had most of the downside of appointment, you know, getting everybody to commit to listening to this thing at the same time. We didn't have the power of the edit. So people were nervous. Uh, and, and you know, honestly, I, you know, I think it had a very short tail. I think by the fact that we do the do edit and kind of think about what we're talking about and we can talk about how we've changed our format a bit, we're trying to make something that's a little bit less – I think li- – live things even if they're recorded like facebook live how many people are going to go back and watch that again probably very very few i I think podcasts are also kind of ephemeral i think they're a little bit disposable but i think one of the things we've tried to do in in thinking you know a year ahead we had a meeting and sat down and said what are our topics for the year our goal in the evolution of what we've done is to try to make it less topical a little bit more have a little bit longer shelf life and serve maybe a slightly different audience. We used to do things not to miss uh, every week, which I, was a great segment. We had people that really loved that. But if you, it was so time-locked in that period of time that if you missed it, it's like, oh, I listened to this two weeks later. It's not relevant to me. So I think one of the things we consciously tried to do was make these a little bit more about what are what are some longer-form topics, conversations we can have about working in this industry, working in an agency, things that are a little more evergreen. Mm-hmm. And and we we made that choice, and I I think there is a world where that you know that will continue. When you when I discover a new podcast I love, one of the first things I do is I try to listen to their whole back catalog. And I've had people tell me that when they finally <laughs> listen to our podcast, they listen to all of them. And I think there's something great about that. And we want it. I don't know that you'd get that with a Facebook Live or a Periscope. It's not like let me go and see what you did in that moment. Before. See, the thing with Facebook Live to me is that when, when I think about Facebook, it started off as, you know, it's a social media platform. And in that respect, Facebook Live makes a ton of sense because people are, you know, it was text and like, I'm doing this thing now. Then it was photos like, look at me doing this thing now. And then it was video. But most of the time it was like, look at this thing I did. Mm-hmm. But now they with Facebook Live, it's taking that back to the live space. Look at what I'm doing. Right. But we also have Facebook as a publishing platform which is where the brands come in and the content producers. And in that respect, the live feature, I agree, does seem a little weird. I've seen some really bad Facebook Live uh, content being pushed out by brands because, the, like I was saying, the live feature seems like such a natural progression. You look at Snapchat also is doing that. It's like live video chat messaging. This is what's happening right now. But for a brand to do it, it has to be the right circumstances. Well, and also for consumers, I just also, the other headwind too is just like for consumers, consumers don't like doing live content. Take brands out of it. Consumers themselves, we live in a sort of like a filtered lifestyles, right? So you have this filtered world of like when someone takes – no one's putting a double chin selfie up. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just don't. Like they, you know what I mean? So it's in a world in which you want to control the setting. So you're going to now ask consumers to go – because socially you just watch it. It's like that's why people get depressed when they look at the feed, right? Yeah. Everything is perfect. Live is not perfect. Life is inherently – and it's forgiving for that. Are consumers ready to make that switch? Like live is not going anywhere. I'm not saying like Facebook Live is a bad idea, but people – when people are jamming it down your throat going everything is going live, I'm sitting back going, no, it's not. The I, the speed of information is live, but storytelling live. Storytelling in an editing room is difficult. Now you're going to tell me they're going to do it – you know, the expense, all of a sudden it's going to take the cost of content. Everyone says it goes down. It goes up. Yeah. You start thinking about logistics and timing and relevance. The catalog, when you go back and look at it, the quality of the content won't be as good. So there's got to be a trade-off. It's a lot. It, yeah. it just triggers all these questions. And I appreciate that they're going that direction, but I feel like I'm more impressed with what Snapchat's doing. I think the vehicle in which they're storytelling through live moments, but in ways in which they're stitching it together, I think is more an inventive – that to me is more impressive to where things are 
heading. Uh, and obviously Facebook is the major player in the space, but I, everyone's jamming this down our throat going, everything's live. And I'm like, going, no, it's not. Well, and one of the things that I, I think that this format, the podcast format does really well is I think it walks that middle road between that live caught on my iPhone, kind of zero production value and that fully edited, you know, music tracks, you know, beautifully lit, beautifully recorded and, and, and captured story. I think, you know, one of the things we often say about why we wanted to get into podcasting and have the ability to do in the office was, hey, if we notice that there's a good conversation happening, let's just say, hey, guys, let's take this over to the studio and turn on the mic and see what happens. Let's just throw the switch. And I'm not saying there's no production value at all as the editor of these. I, we try, we've tried to make it better and better. But I think it's, it, it is, you can tell that there's care taken to craft the conversation, but it also has some spontaneity. And I think as, as a person who also goes around and tries to get other people in the agency to be on the podcast, the thing about not having it be live is my pitch to everyone is you will sound great. If you sound like an idiot on the podcast, I didn't do my job. So I'm either, if it's not working, we're either going to stop and, and do something else, or I'm just going to edit it in a way that you sound wonderful. And that's, I think, the key to getting people feeling comfortable. I remember Miriam, who was on one of our earlier podcasts, I literally, uh, when we're talking about like webinars versus podcasts, she's like, well, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say something that gets me fired and Damien hears it? Oh, my God. And so that was like, oh, podcast makes it makes much more sense because <laughs> we're not going to let that happen. Yeah. So I, I think that that, you know, that is, uh, again, I think there's room for all of these things in the landscape. And I, I we have clients that come to us and say, should we do a podcast? And honestly, uh, just, just because I'm a fan of them, most of the time I'm like, well, if you do, here's the stuff you've got to be in for. Are you ready to do it every week or every other week? Are you, do you have enough to say to be interesting? And that's one yeah. of the things, Damien, you and I talked about yesterday. How do we make sure that this thing that we're doing is interesting? Yeah, we've been talking for 23 minutes roughly. So there are people listening to this could be like, this is boring. I, you know, I have, you have no context of what it is. And right. we all have, you know full-time jobs in which we're going to, before this, we're doing like 35 other things. And I, I think that for the next year, like if you think about looking forward of how, what the investments we need to make, it's sort of similar to what we did in the event side of it when we started doing events, is we spent a lot more time planning and preparation to do these things, right? So for the podcast, I would imagine, and I feel like it's progressively gotten better, the podcast over the past year, where we have a couple touch bases before. Here's a type of stuff right. we're going to do. It's not, this isn't scripted. This is like you have some questions, some talking points. And I think we'll get better at it over time. But I think in the podcast format, if we, uh, you fast forward a year from now, and I guess we'll have a recording of this, the, the, the production, the content will be stronger because the investments we will make will be more preparation in advance on the types of topics that we're actually kind of talking through in more detail. Yeah. And we and went I, through this on the event side. You tell the quality of our events. That's why we don't do the monthly anymore. Monthly and we do them quarterly. Right. Because it's actually the, it's not even just the production value, it's the time, the thought process. We spend a lot of time thinking about what do we actually want to say and what's of value to the people in the room. And I think we're going to shift to this next level. I would imagine the podcast world opened up to the space, to the to the room. I think that's where we're going to ultimately shift over the next year. And I, I this is a good moment for me to plug to our listeners one of my wishes for the next year is to be be more receptive to what our listeners want to hear about. So I've said it every single time we've done a podcast. If you want to 
let us know what you think. And we have gotten so much feedback over this year. I want to continue it. I really want to hear. Send us an email to to podcast at situation.nyc. Let us know the kinds of topics that you think would be valuable. Uh, you know, we, we've certainly taken some of those and sewn them into our idea process. And I want to do more of that, uh, you know, and I do want to do experiments with it. We should absolutely try a live show where we get interaction with the chat room. We should, you know, a lot of podcast. I went to a I went to the Sony, the PlayStation Theater uh, about three or four weeks ago to a I bought a ticket uh, to go to Times Square and listen to two of my favorite podcasts record live. That's cool. That that is something that people that is an event that people will show up for now uh, for some of the best ones. A lot of podcasts. Uh, How did this get made? Is another example. They do a ton of live shows, and I think that's something that could be fun to explore. Uh, maybe maybe as a segment to one of our uh, agency events at some point in the future. We're all sitting on stage. Uh, I don't know, but but I, I do know that I'm excited about some of the things that other people are trying, some of the things that we want to do with it. And I think we, yeah, to your point, when we first started doing this, it was such an experiment. It was like, let's just get in a room and everybody bring a topic. And we're all going to just talk about something that's interesting. I think those were fun. I think they were interesting. But I think what we're doing now uh, has, I think it's, it's has evolved. And I I really hope it continues to. Um, Jordan, what do you, do you have any aspirations for the next year of the podcast? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, I don't know. I mean, comparing them, like, you know, Damien mentioned, we do put a lot of time and thought into the events, thinking about what is a, what is a topic that is going to resonate with people. And beyond that, you know, what's a question that we can kind of frame our conversation about that there usually isn't a right or wrong answer to, but rather elicits 20 more questions, you know, so I would say that's where I would love to see this goes, where we feel like, you know, we really have these kind of um, topics, not that this happens every, not that this is what happened, you know, every 14 days, because it, it takes time to really think about and prepare that kind of thing. But really, uh, having an opportunity to, you know, selfishly as an agency, which is I think this is what our events do well, is let us immerse ourselves in something so that we feel like we've we've we're we have more expertise in a specific area we're forcing ourselves to ask questions about how things are changing on the landscape that have you know some sort of effect on what we do every day and forcing ourselves to then talk about it because it's always easy not to talk about it right. you know so well, it's always easy. the thing i like about the format of of doing it every 14 days, it also pushes us into, if we wait until we're, we feel like we necessarily have the most brilliant thing to say, we'll wait forever. I totally agree. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think there's, a, there's, that's one of the reasons we also give ourselves those targets for those events. It's like we plan the event, we say, save the date and mm-hmm. then it's happening. Right. We that have event's to happening. Make it so happen. we have to, do you know what one difference though? And Jordan, you just hit on this is like, so for our events, I feel like I get a lot more out of it personally through the planning process of putting the event together. On podcasts, it's the opposite because I don't have enough time to prepare. But then we have the conversation and then we have the conversation. Like today, I'll be thinking about podcasts and Facebook. I'll, I'll be thinking about this later. And like, so and maybe that's just a, a, maybe that's a reality. And I need to think of it that way and say, the podcast is meant to frame questions, not necessarily try to frame answers. And with the frequency in which we do it, um, like I like having these conversations. I always feel like they're healthy. That's what we. Right. That's why we do this, right? We sit and we put, I think, smart people in a room and you have a conversation about things that are impacting us, our clients, our employees, our team. 
and you talk about it. And then it frames questions that then go off and happen. Even if they don't happen on the podcast, they trigger a conversation. But maybe that's just a reality of, pod, of the podcast structure we have. There's only so much prep you can do in advance where you do some prep. We know roughly we're going to talk about. Then we talk and then this will trigger a bunch of questions and that just begins to happen. Well, and, and that can turn into a story okay. or a feature for the magazine, which could snowball into something that we do for the event. What I really – I mean you really are becoming a media empire, Damien, in the commitment to the channels that uh, we are we're putting stuff out into the world for. And I, I think – we they don't all have to serve the same purpose. I love what you just said. Like if maybe the podcast can be uh, a seed, uh, a planting ground for to ask questions, to have questions about big ideas that we don't necessarily have the answer for. But then we say, hey, you know what? We've thought about it some more. And, you know, somebody went off and did a feature length thing in our next magazine. And you guys should all go read that because that's a continuation of what started here. And if you happen to be in New York, you know, come hear this great speaker. Come talk about you know, uh, you know, and give relevant examples. So I think it fits in the landscape of what we're trying to do. Um, and I, I, I think that I agree. I think that we will get better at it. I think we'll hopefully continue to, to build our audience and, and, and get, uh, and hopefully make it something that's very interesting and compelling, uh, for at least 25 to 30 minutes of people's time every week. But I, you know, I do want to just kind of wrap up by saying thank you so much to all the people that listen and give feedback uh, it really does. I, I can't express how it makes my day. And I absolutely try to share it with everybody, I, you know, uh, who, who has given up their time to be on the podcast and have a conversation. And, and again, my goal is to have have those surprise and delight moments for our listeners who say, you know, I, th- I thought that was really interesting or that one really respond- resonated with me. Same with the people who are, you know, like yourselves, Jordan, Damien and Kevin, who are uh, not shy about coming on and just giving your opinion and being willing to be part of it. Uh, I really appreciate it. So thank you guys. Oh, thank you for driving it. Yes, no, thank, thank you for driving it. It's, I think it's a great thing for the agency. It makes me so happy to see other people in the agency have yeah. a voice on this. I just think it's so and finding fantastic their on so many levels. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to get people involved. That's why we do these things. So uh, thank you. And thank you to you guys for spending the amount of time that you do. Well, even even more to come in year two. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. The this terrible week. twos? No, Is no, it? the fantastic twos. <laughs> That'll be after our second anniversary. We'll be terrible. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll chat with you guys again in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Again, please give any feedback. Podcast at situation.myc. And thank you guys for being on the air. Thank you.